Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. Uh, today we're continuing our series, Vivid Words. So Pastor Nathan last week shared the first one, which was Talitha Coombe, which was Little Girl Get Up. And it's not just the words that are in these, but the way that Jesus said them. And for some reason, the writers decided to keep them in their original language, in the Aramaic. And so we're working through those four words. So the first one, Jesus spoke it with a gentleness, and he, he invited the little girl to get up, and he, he invited her, even though she was dead, and she was brought back to life. And, and it was the gentleness that Jesus brings, and we're reminded to keep our feet facing towards Jesus. And I want to tell you, church, it was a pretty amazing morning because we saw people respond to the gospel. For the very first time, they stood up in boldness and said, yes, I want to be a Christian. I want to believe in Jesus. And, and I'm believing for more of that this morning. And uh, so we're changing gears a little bit because that one was said really gently. Talitha Coombe was said really nicely. Um, I got the word I can say it now. Nathan said that, yes, I have been walking around the office trying to pronounce this, and I've been like a madman, because it's a weird word. It's got a double PH. Who would have known? But the word is ephathar. Ephathar. Do you want to say it all with me? We'll say it together. One, two, three. Ephathar. Yeah, very good. Nice. Um, that's our word this morning. And, and when Jesus said it, he said it with almost a frustration. He said it with a deep sigh and a groan and a, and a frustration in his voice. So yes, Jesus could get frustrated. And we're going to jump into that today and, and look at a bit at the passage um, that that is kind of encompassed within. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go there now. It's in Mark 7, 31 to 37. It says this, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, gross, then he spat and touched the man's tongue even grosser. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephathah, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. You know, my prayer this morning is that we would get a revelation of Ephathah, that we would be opened. Um, when we read a passage like this, I need to be honest, and, and I do this as well, you kind of read the first few verses and you go, oh yeah, it's just Jesus healing another person. And we can kind of switch off for the rest of the passage and we go, oh yeah, that's just, that's just what Jesus does. He, he heals people, that's who he is. Uh, this has been, uh, let me illustrate a different way. Um, growing up, my mum and my sister, both of you are watching, Sunny Coast Gladstone, how you going? Um, they, they loved romantic comedies. And because of that, our family had to watch hundreds of romantic comedies often over and over, one fine day, so many times, while you were sleeping, I reckon I could quote that movie, if you haven't seen that one, that one is a classic, you've got to watch it, but these rom-coms, because I watched them growing up, and, and this is, I was made to watch them, I've actually developed an amazing skill, and, and poor Ree has, she's a cop, the brunt end of it, or the, the bad end of this, is I can watch the first 10 minutes of a rom-com, and I can tell you exactly what the plot of that movie is going to be. 
It's always going to be one of two things. The first one is she'll work in like a dead-end job as a cleaner or something, and a rich guy will come along that's wealthy and amazing, and all of a sudden she'll be thrust into that world, and she will, they will fall in love, and it'll be great. The other one that it can be is you have a woman that sees this amazingly handsome man, really successful, and a goofy friend will help her try to become in contact and get in a relationship with him. Along the way, she realizes she's actually in love with the goofy friend. That is every single rom-com you will ever watch. I'm so sorry to tell you that. Rom-coms are beige. And often we can approach Scripture like this. We can see Jesus doing this healing. We can, we can read the first two verses. We see people bring them to him, see that they need healing. And we're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus will heal them all good. But it's important for us to remember that not every healing that took place was placed in the Bible. The, the gospel writer, so Mark in this instance, he picked this passage and he chose this one. He, he chose to put this in for a reason. And, and this morning, we're going to have a look at why that is. And I actually think, if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to catch this. John says it beautifully at the end of his gospel in John 20, 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If you get nothing else out of this morning, when you read about Jesus, that is there so that you might believe that He is the Messiah, He is the Son of God, and that you would have life in His name. So as we read this, we're going to look at it with that lens, and we're going to see why has Mark placed this in there, and what is he telling us about Jesus? So let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Uh, Firstly, it's worth knowing Mark and his audience, uh, they were a largely Roman audience, so they would have been Gentiles as well as Jewish Christians, and they would have been reading this in Greek. And what Mark does is all through his gospel, he wants to point to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And through the first half, what he does is he places clues along the way that his readers would have seen and gone, oh yeah, he was the Messiah, because they're after the fact. They know that he has died and rose again, and that he is in fact the Son of God. It's kind of like, and this isn't like a rom-com, I've got two, two different examples of ways to show this. You know when you watch a movie, and then when you understand the twist, you then watch the movie very differently. The first one, I'm, I'm, I'm risking my employment right now because I'm not a fan of Star Wars. I don't really like it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. All those people with personality out there are agreeing with me. Um, that's not true. That's not true. You're allowed to like Star Wars. But, but I know, even though I'm not a fan, I know that Darth Vader is Luke's dad, right? Which completely, yes, thank you. And Chewbacca is his uncle. Um, not true. But when you watch that movie, you go back and you see it all so differently. You, you get a bit worried when you realize that Princess Leia and Luke are actually family. And you're like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And you, you realize and you actually watch the Star Wars series differently after you find out the big twist. Um, for the other half in the room who aren't fans of Star Wars, I'm trying to encapsulate you all in this. And um, you may have heard of a show called Gossip Girl. Um, yes. Yeah, Re. I'm doing this for Re. You know, you got to involve your spouse. Gossip Girl, the whole way through this show, you didn't know who Gossip Girl was. And, and spoiler alert, it was Dan. It was Dan, yeah. Not many Gossip Girl fans out there. You guys, or you're all closet Gossip Girl fans and you're hiding it. But when you watch it, when you know this fact, you watch the whole show differently or the whole movie differently. And this is what Mark's readers are doing. 
So they, they know that Jesus is the Messiah. And so they're seeing these things unfold and they're going, oh, he is the Messiah. That's why he did that. That's why he said that. That's why he did that that way. The first one we see this, as I said, uh, it would have been, so the Old Testament would have been translated into Greek. There's only two times that the word for this speech impediment is used. And the other time it is used, not in this, in this passage, is a prophecy in Isaiah, which says this, Isaiah 35, 5 to 6. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the, lamb, the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. So when they read this, and when they see this word for the speech impediment, they would have thought, oh, that, he's talking about Isaiah. He's talking about that prophecy of who Jesus was. And right through, it, through this, we see that, that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and something I really want us to take away this morning uh, when we talk about healing, often we can fall into two categories. We can either go, Jesus is a healer. And let me tell you, Jesus is a healer. He does heal. He cares about healing the physical and he, he cares about restoring us in this life and in this world. But at times we can go too far and limit Jesus to just being a healer. And I feel like he was aware of this. I think this is why he drew the man away from the crowd. He didn't want to create a spectacle. Because if he was just a, a healing guy that would come through and heal the sick, surely he would have been doing it in front of the crowds. And, and I think it's a good warning for us to not limit Jesus to just being a healer, but know that he is so much more than that. Uh, he's no less than a healer either. And at times we can limit him to less than a healer. And he was just... Jesus that did his thing back there to make sure that we have eternal life? Well, no. Well, yes. But he also does care about our life now. So we need to hold those things in tension. But for you, that might be different. It might not be that you limit Jesus to being a healer. You might limit him to being a teacher. You might limit him to being a friend. You might limit him to being your self-help guy that, that has some good things and shows you how to live a good life. This morning, I really want you to catch in this passage that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that was sent. He is the Son of God. He is there to break sin and to break bondage off our lives. And He wants to do that today for you. He wants, to, he wants you to walk in freedom. And He absolutely cares about your physical healing. But far more than that, He cares about your, the spiritual condition of your heart. And He wants to heal that. And so we'll get there in a moment. I think the other reason that, that Jesus withdrew from the crowd is he, he understood that we as humans get caught up. We get caught up in the wrong things, and um, for those in marketing, you, you understand how easily we're swayed as humans. You, you think about it. When you buy a car, when was the last car commercial you saw that just said, this car is reliable, it's economical, and it's going to get you from A to B? It doesn't happen. When you see a car commercial, it's like it's got shiny wheels, it's got an amazing multimedia system, it's got a sunroof, and that's why we buy it, because... We're not just about getting from A to B. We need to be entertained while we're getting there. And, and I feel like Jesus understood this is, this is what we're like. We get so infatuated with the wrong thing that takes us away from the core thing. And so when he drew this man away from the crowd, he was almost looking after the people going, I know, I know they'll get off track here. I know that they will miss who I am and they'll miss what I'm actually here to do and, and the mission that I have here on this earth. And it's not just to heal the sick but it's to free mankind for all time. So, understanding that, that Mark has put these different things in here, basically saying it's the Messiah, let's, let's jump into the piece of the passage uh, that has our word, emphatha. Emphatha. Oh, no, it's gone. 
Empathah. Empathah. There we go. It's aha at the end. Yeah. Aha. Like, uh-huh, Empathah. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into that. So Wiley didn't want to put on, to put on a show. And this is something really important to know about Jesus. He's not wanted to put on a show, but he is deeply moved by our pain and our brokenness. And you can just see him walking around. And, and I kind of love that he, he, this, he went off track. Like the commentators look at where he went and this trail that he's going through the Gospel of Mark. And there's all these arguments about why he did it and why he went there. Is it for purpose and all these things. I reckon that Jesus knew he was going to encounter this man. And he's like, I need to go there because there's a guy that needs to be healed. And through that, people are going to know I am the Messiah. That's a little side note. But but through this, we can see that, that God is so compassionate, or Jesus is so compassionate to people, and that he is deeply moved by our pain. You know, this man, he was not just another face in the crowd. When these people brought him to Jesus, he would have seen his hurting and his brokenness. And, and we can go, yeah, well, yeah, that was obvious. But Jesus saw far deeper. He saw the spiritual bankruptcy that, the, that this man had, and he was, he was moved by it. And he had to do something about it. Before he says the word, it says that he sighs deeply, almost like a groan and this, this frustrated groan. I, I was trying to think of a situation where we, where we sigh like that, and there was only one that could come to mind, and, and that is the, um, the beautiful act of moving house. Yeah, yeah, you know. There it was. That was, a, that was a corporate groan across the room. When you move house, you look at all that stuff that you need to get from this house to that house. And I'm telling you, I've heard that sigh and that groan, and it actually wasn't mine. It was Pastor Nathan's. You see, I've moved house four times in the last four years, and he has helped me every time. Because, I mean, why, why pay someone to do something when you can hire a truck and get mates to do it for free? You know? And our house isn't just a normal house because we used to run a furniture-making business. We have all this timber and all of this machinery. You can hear the sigh. It's happening. We need to mic him up so you can hear it and then you'll, you'll feel like you're in this passage. But when you're moving house, you, you see it all and you, you start the first couple of loads, you're doing well. You're like, yeah, I've got the fridge and the couches and all these things. I'm feeling good. And then you got, get to the little stuff, the stuff that's frustrating and, and the stuff that you actually really don't care about. I, I've, got a, I've got a theory that I'm going to share with you. Um, this may be the thing that speaks to your heart the most. When you move house, that last load that you put in the truck, take it to the tip. You, you don't want that stuff. You don't care about that stuff. You're just moving it because you've got it. That last load, take it to the tip. You, you don't want it. Anyway, but that deep sigh, that, that frustration, the groan, you're just like, how am I going to get through this? There's so much stuff to move. I believe that's close to what Jesus felt, but maybe a bit, bit deeper. But I want to ask you, have you ever had this sigh? Have you ever been watching the news? Have you ever been, just at the moment, seeing what's going on in Ukraine and just felt completely helpless? Have you been at home with your kids and you've been trying every technique to to help them listen and to, and to grow up and it's, it's not working, you're just sighing. Maybe you look across at your spouse and you, you just feel like there's no hope for you. You've tried everything, you're like, how am I going to restore this relationship? Maybe you're riddled with anxiety and depression and you get up in the morning and you're just like, man, I don't know if I can face today. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Maybe you're just lonely. Maybe you just don't have any, any friends and you, you see people around, you don't know how to connect to them. 
There's this deep sigh, and we know this sigh. But I want to tell you, at the end of our sigh is silence. At the end of Jesus' sigh was this amazing word, Ephathah. And this word is where we're going to land today. You see, this word means be opened. In Greek, it's dianoigo, and it's only used a few times in Scripture, but the times it's used are really beautiful. It's on the road to Emmaus, when the people encounter Jesus and they don't see who He is at first, and then He opens their eyes. That's dianoigo. He opens their eyes to see who He is. He then speaks to the Scriptures, and their hearts are burning. Dianoigo, their hearts are open to the Scriptures. And then their mind is open, dianoigo, to understand what these Scriptures are and the implications of who Jesus is. The other one is Lydia, who sold purple. Dianoigo is when, Jesus, when God opened her heart to receive the gospel. This is what Jesus spoke after the sigh. And this is what he says to each of us and, he, and what he says over each of us when he views our brokenness, when he views our situation, when he, when he sees our spiritual condition, he says, Ephathah. He says, be opened. So all of this is written, let me remind you, from John 20. This is written so that we know that He is the Messiah, that He is the Son of God, and that He came to bring us life in His name. And something happens when He says, be opened. You know, it doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, be opened. And we see this this physical healing. We see this man can all of a sudden hear, and his speech impediment is gone. But the word for loosened, when it says that his tongue is loosened, it gives us a clue that once again shows us He is the Messiah. And He doesn't just loosen tongues in the fact that He lets us speak. That word loosened is the same one of breaking chains. When Jesus says, be opened over you, chains are broken. Bondage is broken. You know, we we look at that and we go, how good for that man, he can now speak freely. No, how good for that man, because his heart is now opened and his bondage is gone and he is now walking in freedom. Pastor Cam out at Sandgate, he shared a couple of weeks ago from Mark with the man that, that the, the four friends that brought him on the mat, and it was such a, a great picture we all got to see. And when they lowered him to Jesus, he didn't heal his condition. He said, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus knew what his mission was. It wasn't just to bring physical healing. It was to forgive us of our sins and to free us from the bondage of sin so that we can walk in life. And that's what he wants to do for us this morning. You know, all we have to do is go to him. In that song, it said that we're walking or we're we're coming to him. He's calling and we're coming to him. This morning, he's calling to you. But he can only say these words, be opened, if you go to him. You need to go to him. You need to believe in him. You know, all of this is here that we would believe that he is the son of God. And can I tell you, He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And I'm preaching to the choir right now, and, and many of you believe, but for some of you, maybe you've, maybe you've limited who Jesus was. Maybe you've thought He's just the healer. He's just the leader of this group of people that I call family because I find community here. He's just the one that teaches me through His Word and shows me a good life to live. Well, I believe that He wants to take the lid off your life today. He wants you to be opened He wants to let you know there's so much more He has for you. And with that same anguish and and sadness and frustration that He looked at this man with, He looks at you as well. And He sees how He created you. 
You see, Jesus doesn't fix you. And this is the real difference with, with healing. Often we see healing as being fixed. And I, I see fixing something as almost just replacing a part. Jesus doesn't fix, Jesus restores. He takes you back to how He created you. When you were knitted together in your mother's womb, He made you perfect with purpose and, and to serve Him. With He's equipped you with these things. When He says this over you, when He says be opened, He's restoring you. He's taking you back to that position and He's allowing you to, to walk boldly into the throne room of grace because He is the Messiah. We are clothed with His righteousness because of what He has done. And so this passage we read today, this is there so that we would believe. I just want to ask you this morning, do you believe that He is the Son of God? Do you believe that He is the Messiah? That He came to set you free? He absolutely cares about you and your life, this side of eternity. But even more than that, He wants to break the bondage of sin off your life. He wants to break the chains that are holding you back. And He wants you to walk with purpose restored to who he, who he created you to be. You know, it's a famous verse, John 3, 16 to 17, but it's such a beautiful verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Only the Ephrathah of Jesus can set us free. I'll invite the band to come join me. And I want to ask you, have you allowed Jesus to open your heart? Have you allowed him to get beyond your brain, beyond your mind, beyond even your beliefs to make a home in your heart? Because he wants to make a home there. And when he says be opened, far more happens than just the physical. The chains are broken off your life, same as this man. So where are you at? Is he just a healer? Is he just a teacher? Is he just a name that you sing in these songs? Or is he your Messiah? Is he the one that came to set you free? Is he the Son of God? You know, we're going to sing this, um, this song. I love 90s music. Oh, my goodness. 90s worship songs are just the best. I was so pumped when they did that song. We're going to sing that again. And I want to invite you to just step towards Jesus. Because He wants to say this over you this morning. He wants to open your heart. He wants to open your mind. He wants you to, to see Him for who He really is. He is far more than a healer. He's far more than a, than a guy that just came to show us the way. He came to die on the cross. He came to defeat death. Death could not hold Him down. He rose again. We're going to celebrate that in a couple of weeks at Easter, but let's jump in early. We need to remember this every week. We need to remember this every day. Because we walk in freedom because of what He did. So why don't you jump to your feet? We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them. And we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.